Good morning, Irish time at least. Uh, good evening to where you are, Aaron. It's uh, another episode of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. We are, of course, in World Cup mode at the moment. And Ireland, unfortunately, uh, not going to be part of the last 16. But do still have that one game to play against Nigeria tomorrow morning. We're going to chat with Aaron Clark about all things Ireland, as well as a look at round the grounds and around the the, um, the various groups in the World Cup. Of course, as we speak, it's Sunday morning as we... Uh, live broadcast this for the first time there are two games ongoing the first two games of that third round of games so plenty to play for the hosts new zealand uh, potentially fighting for their world cup survival at the moment but first aaron let's uh say hello how are you it's been a couple of days since we spoke to you how's life in uh, in brisbane it's been good it's been brisbane's really exciting being able to get out to a good bit of city when climbing the story bridge the other day being floating around the riverboats in the fan zone and stuff like that Reckon just near talking about the fixtures there for the World Cup, I find it very strange that there's two games on right now in the final round of group fixtures, and we've still got Colombia and, and Germany to come tonight, who have only played one game each. It's 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 a weird one, but when you've got the two country situation with the with the games in New Zealand as well as Australia and time differences, it always makes it a strange one. But yeah, it's been good. Watch some games in the fan zone. I've had the to see see things like that, seeing different things. The fan zones have been an electric. Um, been in the fan zone again today. There was an Irish event on in the, in the, in the Brisbane fan zone. Queensland have put it on, and several Irish players made a bit of an appearance. Loads of fans, icons like Olivia O'Toole making, making a, an appearance as well. Wearing a Katie McCabe shirt from the Germany game in 2020, and no better, no better, no better woman to, to, to be floating around Brisbane. But yeah, things have been good. Thankfully, I managed to get out of Perth not okay. Can't say that about other other media and fans. Some got stuck there for a couple of extra days. Never stopped training over there, so I was happy to back over this side of Australia. Absolutely. Just uh, apologies for any sound issues there, but uh, I'm just coming and going a tiny little bit on that. But it, it sounds like it's a, a good atmosphere. It's great to hear that the likes of Livio O'Toole um, and other Irish former players are are getting that kind of recognition that their efforts over the years and over the decades absolutely deserves. Um, she must be loving it, though. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to her a little bit today, and like you see her, you see Rihanna Jarrett. The only shame is you don't have someone like an Emma Byrne here. I know she's working for ITV back in the UK, but like people who've paved the way, who've helped us get to where we've got to, because without these sort of players, there would be no, no World Cup. And I was, I was speaking to Louise Quinn yesterday, and I was sort of saying to her, you're looking back to that photo from 2017 in Liberty Hall and you're thinking back then changing in, in, in airport toilets, giving back track suits, no expenses, and now we're or on the world stage, albeit the games haven't gone the world or in the gone, but massive Irish contingent have travelled with them across the across the other side of the world just to see them actually play. And, like, you know, things like that for me are just... They're, they're the stuff of dreams, stuff you, you'd pinch yourself to think that Ireland, you know, at a major competition, albeit with the results not going away, played... Probably, probably has been the group of death, and it's been a, it's been a worldwide, worldwide experience, and I think we learn the players will learn an awful lot from it. Absolutely. Before we get into the Ireland Nigeria game in twenty four hours time, or a little over twenty four hours time, uh, those two games, as we mentioned at the moment, it's half time in both games. We probably get close to full time at the end of the show. Switzerland currently level with New Zealand nil nil in Dunedin. Uh, they a, a draw is enough to put the Swiss through at the top of the group so they're kind of protecting that we've watching the first half here and it's been kind of cagey from them new zealand look most likely to score they've hit the post um 
and they've been very, very threatening at times. They need a victory at the way the other game has gone in the group, which is Norway 3-0 up against the Philippines. Hardly surprising uh, given their world rankings, but it's great to see Norway finally realise they're at a World Cup and uh, produce a, a performance. Three goals in the opening, 45 minutes for them. Almost guarantees them progression. Now it's just a matter of how the game in Dunedin goes uh, between Switzerland and New Zealand. Can the, the the Kiwis pull it out of the bag there. Uh, they do look dangerous. Uh, your thoughts on that so far, Aaron? Yeah, it's, in, in terms of Norway, it's been a bit of a, a mixed bag in terms of the way, way stuff has gone. You see Hansen coming out doing the press conference the other day, Hedeberg not playing, not playing the second game, literally coming off saying she didn't feel right after the anthems. It's just been a been one of them ones. And you look at New Zealand's great result against Norway, and then all of a sudden they don't back it up against the Philippines. It's It's been a strange all group this group has, and... Like when New Zealand win the first game against Norway, I started thinking, right, New Zealand should come out of the group easy enough, and now they're sort of fighting to to stay in it, and it's a tough, it's a tough one. I do see, I do see, I do see, as you say, Norway going to put our come, come come through comfortably. The other the other thing, the other group, I can't really see many goals in our game. If we get one goal in that game, that may be the decider. I think that would be a that could easily end as an ill all draw. Yeah, unfortunately for New Zealand, I think I agree with you. Sophie Roman Haig with the two two of the three goals. Uh, for Norway, Caroline Graham Hansen getting the third one in that particular class. She's the replacement for Hedeberg, who also sits out today, not involved in the starting 11 for Norway. There's a big story around that. We haven't quite heard that uh, how that's going to break just yet. Aaron, let's talk about Ireland-Nigeria. It's it's meaningless in, in some respects in terms of the competitive nature of the Irish involvement in the World Cup. But Nigeria, of course, have given themselves a lifeline. They could progress to the last 16. Can Ireland upset that? Uh, hope for Nigeria, or are we looking at a, a confident Nigerian side fresh off that victory during the week uh, that will put three um, defeats on Ireland's record at this World Cup? Uh, I got to watch that Nigeria and Australia game the other day. I just landed back in, in Brisbane a couple of hours earlier, picked up a ticket, and what, what an occasion it was. Nigeria, full value for the win. You could see how much they frustrated me. Us, the Australians and, and the funny thing that I look back to is the Australians were sort of giving out about time wasting and it's pretty much exactly what they've done against Ireland and I think Nigeria will go into the Ireland game full of confidence the result against Canada as well for them was massive like the one thing I have said for Afni a number of times is that I don't feel Nigeria's ranking is fair I same way you mentioned earlier about Morocco the you know world ranking places between them I don't think the African team board rankings is really fair because the fact that they don't play an awful lot of games outside of Africa, so they're not playing higher ranked teams. So their rankings are always going to be a little bit unfair to where they should be. And I think we're we're seeing that with Nigeria. They've some really quality players in the side. It's not going to be an easy game for them. It's going to be extreme difficult. I think I can't see based off everything I've I've seen so far. I can't really see Ireland making many changes either. I think there might be one, maybe two changes max. I think Vera will go strong and and she'll try and finish out with three points. The Australians are sort of hoping that Ireland will do them a favour because even if, if the Australians draw with, with Canada and Nigeria pick up anything against, against us, the Australians could be out of the group, especially having beaten us on the opening day. It's sort of a, a bit of a conundrum where we hold it, we hold some of the keys to the cards. Like To think that Nigeria, if they get a positive result against Ireland, could potentially top the group is mad as well. And like, it's 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 been it's been a weird old a weird old group. I do expect a bit of a response from the from the girls. Like you look, first game a great last twenty minutes. Second game great first 40, 45 minutes. Third game can we get for, can we get more? Because realistically, I feel that 
everybody talked about the Canada game physicality before the Canada game, Australia game physicality. If if the Irish don't have a have the physicality on on point, if they don't have their their A game, they will suffer another defeat. And that's just a simple thing about it. I think this this Nigerian side are coming in, they'll come well and truly riled up and ready and expecting to get a scalp off Ireland and expect to top the group. And then I think from an Ireland viewpoint, in in ninety percent performance or or an eighty percent performance may not even be good enough to get a point out of the game. And I think Ireland are going to have to really, really put, put, it, up, put it up to them if they are to get something out of it. Good to see a good Irish contingent in Brisbane today floating around. You're seeing all the Ireland jerseys floating around. They'll get another big crowd. I think we'll see some Nigerians here as well. It'll be, it'll be a, a, a quality atmosphere for, for the game. I, I just think it'll be very difficult for Ireland. If it's, nail, if it's the nail of mass, I'd love to see Ireland come away with something from it. But it, at, the, at the way things are at the minute, I think it'd be difficult for them to come away. And yeah, The bizarre situation is uh, even in defeat, Nigeria is still probably an outside bet to qualify uh, for the, the next stage, which is phenomenal for them. And as we talked about, we mentioned off air, I think uh, this morning's result uh, where Morocco beat South Korea, Colin Bell, South Korea. We'll talk about him in a moment as well. Um, obviously, former Ireland manager, most immediate former Ireland manager, uh, they were beaten one nil, six minute header <clears throat> against the run of play, dominated the entire game. South Korea just could not find any bit of quality in front of goal. I think they might have had one, maybe two efforts on target in the entire ninety minutes from about sixty or seventy percent possession. I haven't checked the stats, but it felt like um, massive domination in terms of territory and possession and opportunities. Just couldn't get anything on target. It, um, 50-odd places between them and the rankings, as you spoke about there. The Africans, um, much better than probably people expected them to be coming into this game and or into this tournament. Uh, Nigeria, likely to go through tomorrow um, because on form, they're probably favourites going into the game with Ireland anyway. Um, from an Irish point of view, what do we need to be looking at here? Is this an opportunity to, to blood players? Is it an opportunity to maybe give girls that opportunity to play girls who might be there in four years' time or even two years' time at the European Championships? The, how would you say, the, the side of me that, that would lo- would love to see players get a run out, you know, I guess I'd love to see that, but in terms of results, I don't think that's, if you want a result in the game, you can't, she can't make them sort of changes, she can't, she can't make four, five, six changes. I think Ireland will be looking to get a result out of the game, so I don't really see many of them players getting an opportunity to be blooded. I think realistically, you may see the same 14, 15 players used within the game itself. Like even look at the game against Canada. When's the last time Vera's used all her subs in a competitive game like that? Probably you'd struggle to even find the time where she's used three subs in a competitive game like that. So for her to use five in, in, in a game like that against Canada was a bit was a bit unheard of. And I, I can't really see her going massively out and making many changes. The question is, will Abby Larkin start ahead of Lucy Quinn? Heather Payne, the FAR saying she should be fit. For me, I wouldn't be playing Heather Payne. I'd be saying, Heather, listen, there's bigger fish to come. I don't want you to go and go and damage your hamstring even further and, and be out for a long period. They're the probably two that we may see We may see some sort of changes. Other than that, I expect nearly the, same, the rest of the nine players to probably start the game and maybe the same sort of subs to come on. I can't see I can't see Vera being sentimental at all in, in this World Cup and you look at you look at the, the squad. I think what we've used six, seven, eight players of the squad have, have had game time. 
none of the players who come on, none of the players who come on in the second game were the players who come on. In the, most of them were the same players that come on in the first game, bar the, bar the, the players who started. So I can't really see her making making many changes again. I, I can't see her being sentimental. I think she'll want to finish with three points and sort of send the Irish, home, Irish crowd home and the players home with a with a smile. I'd be disappointed home with no points, but realistically. No matter what team she puts out tomorrow, I think we just want to see a performance. You just want to see Ireland go out them. Ireland have an opportunity. Don't really want to see Ireland sit back and play five at the back and just sort of hold off and and and, and just how would you say how would you say just try and defend because it's it's not worked and it's it it's got it's got us nowhere in this World Cup. I think realistically we need to just go and actually have have a crack at them. I prefer it to be an open game. Let listen if we lose three 0 tomorrow and we have we have a good go at it. Fine by me, no problem at all. You won't hear me complain. But if we sit back and lose one nil, you'll hear me giving out and saying it was boring. Some of the games happy and happy and poor and boring. That's Benjamin Ireland viewpoint when, when we just sit back and like I've said it many a times to you. I don't think we utilize our best players. And I was speaking to someone. I was speaking to someone as well today about about Denise O'Sullivan because I know I said to you the other day the game passed her boy, and likewise they were saying the same thing. We're just not utilizing players like that. Yeah. We need to use those players like that and actually build a squad around and build a team around them and actually have a good go in Nigeria. 100%. Uh, there has been a fourth goal in um, in the Norway-Philippines game. It has been scored by the defender for the Philippines, um, Alicia Barker, but unfortunately it has gone into her own net. It's an own goal for them. Uh, good pressure from Norway has seen them now lead 4-0. That game, a, a done deal, I'd imagine, as a competitive fixture, but... Uh, Norway will progress to the last 16. It's between Switzerland and New Zealand as we speak. Still nil-nil, about half an hour, just over half an hour left in that game. So time to go for, for that. Um, you mentioned a couple of things there I want to just pull you up on in terms of um, the players that are in that group. You mentioned the fact that you think Lucy Quinn potentially may be replaced coming into the game for Abby Larkin. Um, in reality, has that been a... I think Lucy Quinn has been probably our brightest attacker going forward in the, in the stages she has played. Norway have a penalty, by the way. It's going to be uh, probably 5-0 here in a minute. But uh, the question is about Lucy Quinn. Can we... Like, should Lucy Quinn play from the start tomorrow? Um, she, she's been really good going forward. I can't quite understand why she was taken off so early in the other game uh, against Canada. I'm flabbergasted. Pretty much, to be honest with you, I'm flabbergasted. I have the same opinion as you. I couldn't understand why the substitute was made, especially considering they'd scored just before halftime. The, the biggest thing about the likes of the Canadians in, in terms of the teams we played this this group, it's been we've been out hustled out, out muscled off the ball too much, just too many times where we'd sort of put the ball, pass it into the into touch and things like that, silly mistakes. And I was surprised, Lucy, because she she was she, she was she was decent. She was getting up and down the up and down the flanks like on another day, her cross into the box for Kyra Caruso, it's a goal. It, you know, although we do score from the corner, I thought she was dangerous out on the right flank. Abby, Abby sort of struggled to, get in, struggled to get into the game, but I think all the subs struggled, not just Abby. I think they all struggled to get into the game and they sort of all struggled to really make an impact. So the bench definitely didn't work against Canada. And, and do you say any of them deserve to probably start against, against Nigeria? Honestly, probably not. But then again... One on a very pair of shoes and, and very sort of tends to throw a surprise or two or surprise or two here and there. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised if, if we do maybe see an Abby. I know there was clamour on social media for Abby to start the Canada game after having a good impact against Australia, but 
It's just that they didn't, none of them, none of the subs had the impact that I was expecting when they come on. Let's talk about that for a second because I'm not so sure she had as big an impact as social media potentially thought she was. I, for one, thought Lucy Quinn was a much better addition to the, to the side in the, in the first game than Abby was. Um, I get that there's the, the clamor for the, the story of the youngster coming in, but I just think Lucy Quinn brings more to the, to the table. We saw a lot of loose passes from Abby as well in that. No, she didn't play badly, but it was just a bit careless at times and a little bit just off the pace, I thought. But the problem is, is Brefney, how many Ireland players are actually fully on the pace? That's the that's the problem. And I think we've sort of had the conversation about where they a little bit undercooked coming into this world coming into this World Cup. Like the gap between a takeaway the three that are based in America, the rest that sort of finished their seasons quite early and sort of building up in building up into it and the sharpness probably hasn't been where it probably where it probably should have where it should have been and that's probably played a little bit of impact. But I, I agree with you. I thought Lucy Lucy was better of the two when, when she won against Australia. And I, I thought Lucy was decent against Canada as well. And like I was really surprised to see that change that change happening. And the only question you would sort of have is why what you'd love to know the actual reason behind sort of why it was made bang on half time. But then again you sort of look and the question you sort of have to say is should she maybe held off that change, seeing straight away that Canada are bringing on six hundred bringing on so many caps at half time and with, with the likes of Sinclair coming off and uh, coming on and sort of said, okay, let's hold off a minute. Let's see if we can get five, 10 minutes, just settle into the game. Then we might make a change or two here and there. But even, even the fact that she made all five subs by the 65th minute is also very surprising because that never happens with here. And that's yeah. probably one of the other shocks that a lot of people are surprised about. And there's a lot of tactical and, and gameplay, gameplay stuff. You'd sort of question throughout the two games, like the fact of she she made the five subs by the sixty fifth minute, but still played with the back five until five minutes to go, and then threw Louise Quinn up top. Like that's that seems to be Plan B that every time. That tactic just hasn't worked. worked. Never. Yeah, it has, it's never worked. Um, let's talk for a minute about Vera herself because there's a story in the in I suppose on the RT website this morning about the fact that she has spoken to the media about the fact that she's not got a contract past next month, the end of the World Cup. Um, has she become the last person to realize that the writing's on the wall? This is how Irish organizations work. Nobody's talking to the media, it means it's probably not good news from the FAI for Vera when it comes to the extension here. Has she lost the backing of the FAI without them having spoken about it, or even maybe the players themselves? Because we've seen, I know Katie McCabe was asked kind of about it at the last press conference before they came away. She wasn't very, um, I wouldn't say she 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 wasn't gushing about her support of Vera. She kind of, I reading between the lines, it would seem that she potentially didn't have the full support of Katie or maybe some of the squad. Yeah, that's 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 the impression that we seem to be getting at the minute. And like I know the contract talks were put on hold, were put on hold, and and Jonathan Hill started saying that there'll be a review after the World Cup, and then they'll make a decision after that. But if they wanted that's to give her a new contract, talk for she's not getting an extension. If they wanted to give her a new contract, they'd have given it to her long before now, and they'd have sort of they'd have had it but signed, sealed, and delivered. I I think realistically, the the, the nail on the coffin could have been the last the last athletic article to sort of to say, okay, listen, maybe we just need to have a review. Like as you said, is cutting ties maybe the best option start started afresh. But the only thing I will say is, and like you know, you know, I've I've had my gripes when it comes when it comes to Vera, but 
there's no ready-made replacement. That's the only thing. It's it's sort of a case of if they if they let Vera go, are they gonna go with a with an interim manager for the first couple of Nations League games while they sort of assess the situation because there's not a long there's not really a long time between between the Northern Ireland and, and Hungary game and, and finishing the World Cup and sort of doing that review and stuff like that. So I think from an FAI viewpoint, they'll probably have to move quickly, no matter what, they'll have to remove move quickly and sort of get things out and get things done and get things started moving. But like the KD one was sort of the first public eye where we seen the crack the cracks sort of started to appear and like I know KD walked away from that press conference quite frustrated because nobody really talked football. But based off what happened in, in the in the day previous, it was it was to be expected. And I think Vera's definitely taking a lot of strain from from the last couple of months. You can see she is under pre- she is under massive pressure. And you're right in what you say in terms of a foreign manager probably probably doesn't read the writing on the wall the way the way some Irish people would would read it, and it'd be really difficult to see her. Staying on, past, staying on past the World Cup, and I sort of expect something to probably come quick enough, quick enough after it to, to say, "Listen, maybe we're, they're going to move on." But like, who would you bring in? That's the question that. Well, we, we I, gotta... I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that question, and I'm looking at the the previous track record of of coaches we've hired. Who who had the two oldest squads, average age, um, in the in the World Cup this year? Probably Korea and Ireland. Yeah, top two. Korea top or second. Two managers, Colin Bell and Vera Pau. Um, two managers who have kind of proven that they're not that interested in development. They're only interested in this week or this month or the next squad based on the age of the, the players they've brought. Um, that's who we've appointed the last two times. I don't have a name for you, uh, but there has to be players or managers available after the World Cup potentially, but also... Um, with the experience required to to get the best out of this team. Maybe they're in the Women's National League. Maybe they're in the League of Ireland. Maybe it's one of the Irish underage uh, managers coming through. Tom Elms done some good work with the under-16s, uh, now in as Vera's number two. Uh, is Eileen Gleeson ready for it? Is Lisa Fallon ready for it? Uh, I, I think there'll be arguments for, but also arguments against. In the- I'm going to say something. No matter what, if the next manager is foreign, the next manager has to be based in Ireland. None of this. I agree. But it's never going to happen. Let's be honest. We both know uh, if they are a foreign-based manager, there is going to be absolutely no chance they'll be based. Like Serena Veidman moved to Serena Veidman moved from Holland to the UK to take the England job, and it was one of the things that was put in it that she had to be there. And for me, it's 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 it should be a non-negotiable, and it should be part of if it means we have to go with someone who's been in the League of Ireland, so, in, in men's or women's then so be it if they have the qualifications because that's the only way you're going to... De- I think realistically, you're right what you're saying. We're, we're going to have to develop the pathways. We're going to have to develop the underage structures. The only one thing I will say is, in, in terms of Colin Bell, the one the one credit I'll give Colin Bell is Colin Bell knew absolutely every player in the league, their name, their position, their club. He would meet with every club manager. He'd wreck the club's manager's heads to meet with them regularly to, to, to discuss players... And whereas with the likes of Vera, I don't. I think there's a massive disconnect between the national league clubs and the home base sessions and the and the, and the senior national team. And I think realistically, that that bridge has to be gap. That gap has to be be closed because they need to be all working on the same hymn sheet. They all need to be working together. And like the problem here, not the problem. The big thing here is is that we've got an opportunity off the back of this World Cup to. To grow the game in the country, there's no doubt there'll be more government funding coming down the line. There'll be more 
sponsorship opportunities and things like that. But unless unless we have all, all the ducks in a row with all the stakeholders in terms of Irish football, this opportunity and this golden golden chance may just may just pass us over and we could be having the same conversation ten years down the line where nothing has really progressed and that's that's a concern of mine. Yeah, I think so. But I think uh, uh, it's very hard for the FAI to insist on a foreign-based coach uh, moving here when our CEO hasn't completely moved to... That's, that's, that's a problem as well. Ireland as well. So um, I'm not going to get into slagging off Jonathan Hill. I think he's done a reasonably good job in the time he's been here. But I think he needs to be based in Ireland and he hasn't so far, I believe has not done so. Um, other games before we kind of, uh, forget about everything and go down some rabbit holes here. Um, any other games caught your eyes over the last few days? There's been some really, really exciting victories. Morocco, uh, had a great win yesterday. Uh, you could see how much it meant to them as well. Yeah. They had a good win. Jamaica, Jamaica's win was for me, it was, 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 was very good as well. Um, watched, watched the last half of that in the fans on last night. Really, really, really enjoyed Brazil and France. Um, thought it was a great atmosphere. Took me so long to get into the stadium last night because I had to get through all the Brazilian carnivals that were happening outside the stadium in Brisbane. Flocks upon flocks of Brazilians. Unbelievable to see. I know she barely touched the ball, but to actually see be there when Marta steps foot on the pitch Um Wendy Renard was brilliant for France as well. I thought the French team, French side, were very good last night. I really, I enjoyed that game. Um, obviously the heartbreak for of the England game with Kira Walsh. Thankfully, it isn't an ACL injury. Uh, watched that in the fan zone in Brisbane. It was absolutely packed. It's great, great atmosphere when when Lauren James scored early on. England haven't really sort of motored. I think if they'd have had the likes of Fran Kirby, uh, Leah Williamson, maybe they might have sailed through sailed through this World Cup and. They're sort of they're just sort of tiptoeing along the way, and I'm 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 really interested to see when they get to the knockout stage if they if they can step things up. But the next next week of games is going to be where the fun starts, where teams so a lot of teams we do or die. The great thing is a lot of groups still have a lot to play for. There is some teams eliminated, but we don't. The best thing is not every group we know who the top two straight away is going to be, and I think that's that's the good thing. It was probably a bit of a worry when we went into a World Cup where there was 32 games that. Your concern would be the bottom two would be knocked out straight away and the top two would sort of make themselves known. And there's a lot of groups where we still don't know what's going to happen. Like you look in the France group. Well, uh, let's, let's fact- go group by group quickly. We might spend a minute or two on each group, just chat through the different permutations. Uh, we've talked enough about A and B. That's the one that's happening at the moment. Norway 5-0 up in their game. Um, they're effectively through. Um, Philippines are not going to come back from that. Uh, still nil with... 27 28 minutes to play. Can we, can, we skip, can we just skip group C because group C is the one group where the top two are Spain let's, and Spain and Japan get, are, are let's get it out of the way. We've got Spain, Japan, they're already through. It's uh, they, they do meet later in the week, they meet uh, 31st of July, that is uh, Monday, uh, before the Ireland game, and they will uh, just decide top and, and second in that group. Costa Rica and Zambia, nothing to play for. Really disappointed with Zambia. Considering yeah, what they chose as, as one of the dark horses, and they've been beaten yeah. five times twice now, so we won't talk about your predictive skills on that one. Uh, in, into Group D, England, of course, the they will play second place if they do finish top of that group, which will be expected. Uh, they finish, they play second place in the Irish group, so plenty of interest there, maybe for the Nigerians or or potentially for uh, Canada or Australia, whoever happens to come through that. I think in, in this group, Haiti aren't even out. Haiti aren't even out. Like Haiti beat Denmark. There's, oh, a, there's, a, there's a chance that 
they they got an outside chance they can still get there. Like and if England beat China, like I do think England will top this group, and I think England will come through the the China game probably one 0 again. Yeah, maybe. Um, I think England win it. China will they manage to 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 scrape something out of that or? Or are we looking at Denmark coming through? Denmark have been impressive as far as I'm concerned so far without actually really threatening to score Matt that much. Uh, they, should against, they, should, they, should, they should have scored against England. There's no no two ways about it. They should have scored against them. Um, probably they're probably disappointed in the fact that it was a one that it was a one 0 game. Uh, second place in this group could end up playing Nigeria, so it might actually be a a, a nice group to finish second in. You know what's funny? You know where that Nigeria game be played, don't you? If if Nigeria top the group. Is it in Sydney? The Olympic Stadium in Sydney. It could have, where the Australians, it was all lined up for Australia to be in to be in the Olympic Stadium again in the last 16. And now it looks like Australia, Australia are sort of hoping, needing a win and needing a win to even potentially make the last 16. Yeah, and hoping that Ireland do them a favour to get back in the in the top of the group. Um, the only thing so, is just on, just on that one, Sam Kerr has declared that she is fit to play in that last group game against Canada. Which that's is awful. massive. That's awful nice of her. But uh, no, it is, it's good for Australia to come out. Um, I think uh, they have had a, a poor look or run, uh, run of luck with the likes of Fowler and Kerr both missing um, the last game. And I think um, it's been unfortunate for them. But let's see what happens uh, in the coming weeks because I think it's going to be interesting to, to keep an eye on that as it gets closer and closer to uh, to tomorrow and, and uh, how, how whether they'll get through that group or not. And then obviously possibly England in the last 16. Not an ideal situation for them to be in. Group E, USA, Netherlands. Everyone surprised by the USA failing to beat the Netherlands last week. Great result for, for Holland. Um, how is it going to pan out, though, now? They both play uh, the bottom two sides. Can either Portugal or Vietnam pull off a, a surprise? I have a feeling that... The Netherlands, the Netherlands may be, um, maybe may Vietnam by, by more than than the USA will be will be Portugal by, and, and if that's the case, then if they can overturn that two goal that two goal swing, the the USA could be coming to coming to Australia instead of being staying in New Zealand for the moment, and a bit of a, a bit of an adjustment for them, a bit of an adjustment for them. I, I'd say USA, I'd say the the Dutch are probably favourites them to finish top of this group. Just based off the fact that the USA only beat Vietnam three now. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, the USA won't be used to not topping groups at the World Cup, but it's great to see all of these teams getting closer and closer. So, like the mid-range teams are are able to beat teams that are, I suppose, in theory, five or six, ten seeds higher than them in, in games and you don't quite know what you're going to get in games where maybe four years ago, eight years ago, 12 years ago, you could nearly predict with fairly accurate level of certainty who was going to win games and who was going to come through each group. Back then you were sort of picking, you were trying to predict the goal difference more than anything. Whereas now you're sort of, you know, you're sort of like, Oh, what's that going to be? Like even you look at the USA and, and, and the Dutch playing in the last world cup final as well. And, Drawn again here, like there's, there's not a lot between them. The gap is continuing. The gap is continuing to close. The only thing from an American point of view is they continue to invent these new stars, despite the older players getting older and moving on. They still seem to get these new, young, up and coming, fresh players. Whereas I think other countries are going to have to sort of follow suit and continue to develop the ne- the next generation because the next generation in America are, are, are as good as the current generation. Whereas 
some of some of the other other countries it'll be it'll be up to them to sort of develop them and like you look at even the likes of your, your Jamaica's Bunny Shaw playing now playing for Man City players are, more and more players are actually going to bigger and bigger clubs which is which is probably helping the smaller countries. Yeah, Group F as we move on to it, uh, France and Jamaica. Um, have given themselves a good chance of, of progressing from this group, but Brazil, plenty to say in that discussion just yet. Panama, of course, out of the competition now. They're in the same situation as Ireland, just can't catch the top two. Um, your thoughts on this? The, the fixtures, uh, they take place on Wednesday morning. Jamaica play Brazil. Winners will be in the last 16. France more than likely will be with them, barring an absolute collapse against Panama. This is my next game after the Ireland game. Actually, I'm I'm going to France and Panama and France and Panama and Sydney. Actually, in the in the Allianz Arena, um, looking forward to that as well. I think France will, France will, France will easily top the group. France will win and, and top the group. The, the problem is, is Jamaica can they pull off another big shock like they did against against France against Brazil and get a point? I think it'll be, I I think I think it'll be really difficult for them to get something out of Brazilian games. I think Brazil will be hurting a little bit from from last night. I would still fancy Brazil to come through to come through this group and, and finish in second, but even for Jamaica to get four points in a World Cup, like even if they if they don't pick up anything against Brazil, what an unbelievable achievement. And they've been they've been great to watch. The fans have been great. And I think we'll see France and Brazil in the in the last sixteen. Absolutely. I, I tend to agree with you. I think Brazil just a little bit of quality and they still have match winners like Marta still floating around uh, that can contribute. Maybe not full ninety minutes, but definitely uh, the experience to, to to find a goal or two when they need it most. And uh, Jamaica, if they get through, it will be a phenomenal story up there with cool runnings. But I think at the moment it's the more likely that the the two more established sides will progress to the uh, knockout stages. Group G, of course, uh, Sweden, Italy, South Africa, and Argentina. Sweden top the group at the moment. Uh, have secured their passage through, but it's just a matter of whether Italy can bridge that goal difference divide. But I can't see it happening. It's a ten goal. Rasmi, they absolutely blitzed them last night. Sweden blitzed Italy. It was actually, it was mesmerising. At one stage, it was nil all, and, ne- and you look away for a couple of minutes, it's three nil. It, it was just as if they could score as many as they wanted when they wanted. The Swedes just looked brilliant and. It's it's sort of glimpses of what Sweden showed in their in the World Cup qualifying group, but with Ireland they played some of the other sides. They were just brilliant to watch. Black Stenius up front, very good. Like they're a really, really, a really, really good side. And I think one they'll come through that top that group easy enough on top. And once they do, they nobody will really want to play them and play them as as the knockout stages start. Yeah, no, they they look dangerous. They look like they can score at will. Like I think, and then I think Italy. I think Italy will come through. Come through in second, comfortable yeah. enough. The fixture, of course, as you can see, they play South Africa in Wellington on Wednesday. So, uh, interesting to see how that pans out for them. In terms of Group H, this is the one we spoke about earlier in the show. Uh, Germany and Colombia still only the one game played yet. Nobody in or out of this group officially. It's all very early stages for these teams. As we look at other teams seeing their uh, tournament officially and competitively. Uh, but also, in practical terms, come to an end. Uh, now, Germany only played her second game in, in just over an hour's time. Yeah, I think it's mad the fact that the, the, the other teams are starting. But I understand just because of the fact of New Zealand-based due to timings that they have to take place early. But I, I, I suspect Germany will beat Colombia, beat Colombia handy enough tonight. And then the question for the last round of games from a Germany viewpoint is, do they go weak? Do they go strong? Do they give South Korea a chance if they go weak? 
of, of pulling off pulling off a victory, and then you could you, you you know realistically you're sort of looking at what's going on. I'd say South Korea, South Korea are actually definitely actually South Korea are out because the fact that Morocco and Colombia will play each other in the last game, and one of them is going to go to four points, so South Korea are actually out. So realistically, it's just going to be a case of who's going to finish second behind Germany. I think. Yeah, uh, who would you put your money on for? Uh... Would you put it on Morocco purely based on the uh, the, the preseason or the pre-tournament friendly with Colombia from an Irish point of view? Or do you Listen, know? I'd love to see Colombia knocked out, but I think Colombia Colombia probably probably should just come, should come through this and and, and set up a set up a, a part in the last six days. But I don't think it'd be easy if they start the shenanigans and it's a physical game. I expect the Moroccans to, to step up and be as physical as them and sort of make it a dog a doggy dog affair and. I don't think there'll be a lot between the two sides. Absolutely. Let's take a quick look at some of the statistics across the competition so far. Uh, we have the top scorers in the World Cup uh, this evening. Amanda Ilsted is top with her hat trick in the opening day of the season, or in the opening uh, the, last night, was it? She hit a hat trick. Um, but she scored three goals uh, so far. Ari Borges of uh, Brazil uh, on the teetering on the edge of. of being knocked out of the tournament, but uh, three goals for her as well. We also have two uh, at the moment for Sophie Roman Hag. She has scored two today. There's still an opportunity for her to get three, and you wouldn't rule it out based on how that game is going. Five nil at the moment to Norway against the Philippines. Uh, plenty of recognizable names there as well. Alexandra Pop, Sophia Smith. Uh, I tap. I tipped her to be very impressive in this tournament. We haven't quite seen her light up the, the World Cup just yet, but still, two goals from her, not a bad trick. Lindsay Horn, two-headed goals from her as well. Um, In terms of the keeper... Horn, it's Horan, not Horan. <laughs> the Americans got mad when we well, know uh, We've had a couple of clean sheets now from um uh, a number of players across the, the, uh, the World Cup so far. Of those who've kept two... Uh, you can see uh, five names there at the top of that table. Gail Talman, obviously in action at the moment. Switzerland have not. You make have kept two clean sheets. Yeah, absolutely. Then that's that's the reality. And even you see some of these ones. Um, there's only maybe played one game. The Colombian keeper in there, the German keeper in there as well. So uh, we've seven players who haven't conceded a goal at the World Cup yet. That's a big achievement uh, for some of these teams' cards. A couple of dismissals. I think we've had three red cards, four red cards. On, uh, that. That red card for um for China. I don't know if you've seen it. No, it's absolutely see. horrific. Never catches are, catches are just below just below the knee. Um referee initially gave a yellow card, but then VAR like no red card. It was actually horrific. I'm surprised the referee initially gave a yellow card for him. Oh actually like, I think I think I may have seen it actually the other day, yeah. Um not a good, not a good one. Not a good look either. Um, still five nil to the Philippines, or sorry, not to the Philippines, to Norway in, in their competition. And um, with uh, fifteen minutes left in the other game, Switzerland and New Zealand, uh, they are still scoreless. Not good for New Zealand. They go out if it stays like that. Switzerland will top the group, but that could all change with a New Zealand goal over there. Um, Aaron, tomorrow let's talk a selection choices. I know we've talked about it a little bit already. There's one player who I feel has got a bit of a raw deal so far in the, in the competition kind of hung out to dry by Vera in some of her post-match comments after the, the initial defeat to Australia, Marissa Shiva. Um, obviously she's playing with 
Uh, Washington Spirit, they're, I think, second in the NWSL at the moment. She's featured in most games for that side. So maybe not quite a, a nailed-on starter, but definitely one of the players who gets called on regularly uh, off the bench or maybe coming in to start uh, the odd game here or there. Um, she's impressive. She's quick. And she hasn't really put a foot wrong other than that penalty decision, in my opinion, um, for Ireland. But she seems to have been just hung out to dry by some of the members of the media and possibly even Vera herself. I was glad to see she come on early against Canada. I was really glad to see that because she she got a she she got a massive raw deal. Uh, probably it, it is undeserved. Like the problem is, is and I said this to you before, the penalty there's mistakes on the other side of the pitch. Katie's further up the field. Marissa's only back there because Katie's Katie's up. And realistically, if the sort of penalty there, I started thinking, okay, she doesn't foul, she's gonna score anyway. Yeah. So it's one of them that she's gonna she, she's gonna put the ball away and. I'd like to see Marissa come back. I'd like to see if she's not going to play Lucy. I'd like to see Marissa come back into the team. Um, I can't see her coming back, and I can see her potentially coming off coming off the bench. And like, I thought I hung out. I think she hung out near Fahi after the. She she nearly hung out near Fahi after the after the second game. The problem is, is instead of taking taking the blame on players, take the blame on coaching on the on the tactics and on your decisions. It's it's just an easy, it's a for me it's a cop out it's an easy way out for a manager just to say I will blame the player. No, yep. that's wrong. You you blame the fact that the the build up the lead up to things. There's other things that have gone wrong. Did you did you coach the situation correctly? What what's going to happen here? Like for me, some of her comments are just strange. But then again, I'm not surprised with her comments because it's, it tends to be a standard blame someone else, blame someone else type of game. It's never sort of. Oh, I'll hold my hands up and say, "Yeah, we got that wrong." It's sort of who can I blame, and I don't really. It doesn't really sit well with me in that sense. I think I felt so sorry for Marissa Shiva. I think I'd say she just wanted to curl up in a ball. I hope she didn't see much of the the stuff back home. And I know some players being on social media, others haven't really, because some of the comments that were written just weren't right, weren't great at all. Yeah, I think hopefully, uh, being American based and American born. Um that she might not be aware of some of the journalists or the outlets that have been talking about her for the last t- 10 days or so. Um, for me, I think she adds a, a width and a, a speed that we just don't have with other options. I'd, I'd love to see Izzy Atkinson in from the start and pushing Katie more forward into an attacking role. I think she was dangerous in the last 20 minutes um, against Canada. I'd love to see us push Denise O'Sullivan further into a, a kind of a more of a 10 role than in the sixth role she's playing at the moment. And there are players there to to cover, like Megan Connolly is perfectly adequate at that sixth job. She'll do a really good job for Ireland there. She always has. Uh, with players to come in behind, uh, Clara Reardon could easily come in at centre-half for Ireland and uh, and others. So there's... But like the, thing, the, thing, the thing is, the decision to play Megan Connolly, I heard that this was happening, that Connolly was going to play centre-back before the squad had even... before the first uh, World Cup warm-up game had even happened. Hmm. So... We, like for me, it's uh, it's sort of a it's a strange and a virus intent, and that's the way she's gonna go. Like Megan is not a centre. Megan is not a centre back. Megan will, Megan will try to do you a job there, but like you look at the you look at the goal, the second goal against Canada. Megan and Eve, she just got the play. She just got through the two. Leon just got through the two of them. Yeah, and then you sort of have Katie trying to make a, a last ditch tackle to to try and keep her from from putting the ball in the net, and that's the sort of thing that we need that or they need to be very careful of and. When you play players out of position, these sort of things happen, and like it shouldn't be a case of trying to uh, round peg into square hole. You know, actually play your team the way 
the way the way it's it's it, they're, they're supposed to play the players are supposed to play rather than just trying to put people in positions just to to accommodate others. Like if you have to drop a player further forward, drop a player further forward if if so be. Or if you feel that you know Conley's not going to start in the field, don't start Conley there. Don't just put her in centre back for the sake of putting her in to have her in. And that goes with any player. But that's the sort of thing that we talked about about um, players having credit in the bank and and sort of. That's why she's moving players around to just to have them in the team rather than having the team set up to facilitate the players in the best positions. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with you, and that goes back to what you talked about, where the comments you made about Colin Bell, uh, knowing who every single player in the league was. Um, now, fair enough, some of these Irish girls um, in the League of Ireland are never going to make that step to a, an international team, but we've seen some of them do so over a season or two, maybe abroad. Um, the magic airplane doesn't quite work the same way for the girls as it does for the boys. It takes maybe another year, year and a half for them to, to break into that squad. But um, you're looking at he he you knew he knew the players. You don't get the same feeling, and you definitely won't believe that Vera has faith in the players, particularly when you start going down the squad list, um, down past maybe 16, 17 on the squad list. Uh, you just don't feel like she has confidence that they're up to the job, and I think they've proven every time. They've been given the opportunity that they probably are up for the job more so than she maybe believes they are. You'll never hear me disagree with that comment, and that's the thing. You know, I've said that myself multiple times. Like the the other sort of thing you, you got to look at from from a Colin Bell point of view is that yes, Colin Bell Colin Bell immersed himself in Ireland as well. Colin Bell was at games all the time. You remember having chats with Colin Bell in in Piedmont one day for about an hour. There was no football talk. You know, he was talking about his love of music. He was talking about other things. And like even in the mornings, from from stories I heard, like he'd if the players are down early for breakfast, he'd have a chat with them. It wouldn't be chatting about football; it'd be chatting about maybe his love of music or something like that. And you know, something that they'd have a, a common team in to try and actually have the conversations with the players to have the players. Because realistically, the biggest thing you can do is if you're a manager is have the players on side. If you have a common interest that you both you both like something, have that conversation. Have a conversation with them. Have a coffee while you're, while, while you're putting it, while you're having breakfast and just waiting. Because then the players buy into it even more. Whereas I sort of think it's it's from the outsides. It nearly seems like an, an, an us against the world with Vera and the players that that sort of connection isn't necessarily there. Yeah, the Philippines goalkeeper just pulled off an amazing save uh, from Guru Wright and who scored the penalty. It's 5 0 now. Uh, Philippines also down to 10 men. Their tournament ending in disappointment, I suppose, after their fantastic results to get that win against New Zealand. Uh, they'll be disappointed uh, now. It's still scoreless in the other game. Eight minutes left, so plenty of action going on around the grounds. We're probably going to not make the final whistle in these games, but that's how it stands as it is. So tomorrow, uh, pick a team for me. Who's going to play for Ireland tomorrow, Aaron? I would. I'd actually, I suspect you'll go with Brosnan. I'll go A and other at right back because if Heather's fit, I think she plays Heather, but if not, she'd probably go O'Gorman. I think she'll go Fahey, she'll go Fahey and Quinn and she'll go uh Fahey Quinn, Connolly, McCabe, she'll go Rusha, Sinead Farrelly, and Denise in midfield. And I think she'll go up top, she'll go with Kira Caruso and probably she'll go with Lucy Quinn as well. Yeah, I don't think I think, it'll be, I think it'll, it could well be the same, the same team that starts start against Canada. Yeah, I think for me, uh, Lucy Quinn gets in. I think uh, Marissa Shiva, if Heather's not available, is an option. Uh, 
at wing back as well. I think um, she she would do a good job there. She's got the pace and the and the kind of the engine to keep it going, but it's just whether she has that confidence from the manager or not uh, remains to be seen. Um, stories of the World Cup so far. I haven't prepped this with you, but uh, your thoughts on um, the players who've impressed you, the teams who've impressed you uh, so far in the opening two rounds of games. Mm, good question. Uh, obviously, Nigeria massively impressed me. The, the performance against Australia in in Brisbane will probably go down. Will go down as one of perform probably one of the performances of the World Cup. I know you've talked about the Philippines beating beating New Zealand, but for for Australia, the Australia one, the fact that Nigeria were three one up. The the best part for me was the Australians to my to my side were absolutely losing themselves in the game. It was it was one of them. I, I think. Overall, from a if I was to reflect on an Irish story viewpoint, I think just the fans, the support, the way the team have been given the support by the fans has probably has probably been something that's been eye opening. I know some players say they expected it, but I didn't expect the sort of crowds that we're seeing. Like if you look back to Perth, there was probably I'd say less than less than two thousand, less than a thousand Canadians. The rest were Irish, and. Yeah. You know, it was massive. Sydney was Sydney was a huge occasion. I expect another one again tomorrow. Um, I'd call it so far. I call the World Cup an overall success. I think everything about it has been successful. It's been really enjoyable. Um, just looking forward to getting to a, another couple of games before I have to head back across the other side of the sea. Come back to join the rest of us plebs at home. Uh, in terms of the. Uh... I, I, you're right. I did it. I was impressed by the Philippines. This result today has probably taken a little bit of that gloss off um, in terms of the 5 0 to Norway at the moment. Um, it just hasn't quite worked out. But there have been some really, really impressive performances uh, across the boards. Nearly for every team, there's been a, a standout player or two uh, who've come to kind of light that I wouldn't have been aware of before the World Cup that have really come on and gone. Yeah, she's a player. She she will see plenty of her either for her country or maybe for a club in one of the bigger leagues uh, over the coming seasons. Aaron, as always, it's been a pleasure. I think we've probably pretty much uh, talked our way through the World Cup so far. We will be back to chat at some point after the Ireland game. Um, it is a bit of a dead rubber for the Irish side, but a chance maybe to show uh, what we are capable of against a side that have really impressed at Nigeria in this World Cup. Um, enjoy the game, Aaron. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Uh, we'll chat to you at some stage later in the week.